0: The goal of Engage 360 is to equip the church to change the world one conversation at a time.
1: Hello, friends, and thanks once again for tuning in. This is Engage Your World. I'm Ibrahim Inouad, the audio production engineer for the show, and today we have an opportunity to interview one of our staff members. You have heard his voice before if you've been listening to the show for any length of time. This is none other than Jordan Apadaka. He's joining me by phone from California, so if there are any audio issues, we apologize in advance. And without further ado, let's get started. Jordan, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
1: And so am I. And, and we've just started this ministry about a year ago, and already we've done some university events, we've done some training at churches, and now we're pleased that you have come alongside us and you're helping us with various tasks and projects. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, you know, just some random thoughts or what have you?
0: Yeah. So My name is Jordan Apodaca. I'm 24 years old. I'm married. Um, My wife, Tara, and I met in school during undergrad. We've been married for a little over two years now. We live in California, uh, Sacramento area, and I'm currently a student at Southern Evangelical Seminary, where I'm pursuing, Lord willing, a Master's in Philosophy degree, as well as a Master's of Divinity, hopefully. We'll see how long it
1: takes. Whoa, 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 whoa. How do you get philosophy in a seminary?
0: That's a good question. Today's context, we're interacting with people of a wide variety of backgrounds. Philosophy is a surprisingly helpful degree to have for just understanding the different ideas that are current in our culture. And so in a lot of ways, like you saw with Paul in Acts 17, it's an evangelism tool for him. He didn't need apologetics. He didn't need philosophy to be able to talk to these people. But the philosophy was a bridge for him to be able to talk to those people.
1: Excellent. That's true. And especially when you're dealing with evangelism, you do tend to run into a lot of questions. Which brings me to the question What is Engage 360?
0: Engage 360 is a new and exciting ministry. Like you said, it's only about a year old right now, but I really think it's going to change the world. The goal of Engage 360 is to equip the church to change the world one conversation at a time while talking about the gospel just in everyday life. It's all about helping Christians to have those gospel conversations more often and more effectively. And the need for this ministry is so clear in my mind because as you know and some of our audience knows, Christians should be sharing the gospel. In fact, when surveyed, sixty-four percent of Christians in America recognize that they have some type of obligation to share the gospel. And yet only nineteen percent of us actually do it. And so engage three sixty, what we do, we look at that as an opportunity, this untapped potential for people to be evangelizing the world. So engage 360 is waking up the giant, the sleeping giant of the church, to get her out there, sharing her faith, sharing the gospel, and bringing people to know the Lord.
1: Amen, amen, brother, and I, I'm glad to see that you're so excited. I remember when I was in my younger years as a college student, sort of a campus evangelist, I didn't know much about Christianity, but I just knew I wanted to share it with everyone, so it gave me uh, uh, plenty of opportunities because it was the campus was wide open, there were all sorts of different religions, and it was certainly an opportunity to test my faith, if you will, but uh, certainly something that I was excited about sharing, and so I'm, I'm glad that you're excited to to be here with us at Engage360. Could you tell us a little bit about how you came to find out about Engage360 and then how you joined? What What's your story in that regard?
0: Yeah, um, I found out about Engage three hundred and sixty. Actually, through Facebook, I saw uh, Matt Schmidt, the CEO. I had known him through Rasha Christie and Southern Evangelical Seminary; those circles. And I saw him once post a kind of a preview link to what was going on with Engage three hundred and sixty. It's kind of a teaser for what was coming up. And I said in my head at that moment, I'm like, you know what? If the opportunity opens up, I want to I want to be a part of that. I want to join that ministry. And. Through a number of just conversations with different people along the way, it just worked out. Like It just made sense for me to join. And the reason why I wanted to join was because of my own background, my own story, which is part of your question. Basically, growing up, I knew I was supposed to be sharing my faith, and I knew that I wanted to. In high school, I felt like God just kind of exploded my heart with a passion and zeal for him. And I wanted to spread that zeal and energy and passion for Jesus to others. But then I looked around and I didn't see anybody doing that. I wanted to do it, but it's hard to do something when it doesn't seem like it's happening around you. It doesn't seem like it's a real thing that people do. And I remember several times um, different people would try to kind of initiate some type of evangelism. One guy took me door knocking one time, and it was always one and done things. We never lasted and never led to me actually learning the skills it was just this awkward event that would happen and then go away um and the same thing happened in college i went to college for my undergrad degree to study to be a pastor and during that time i realized i still haven't learned how to share my faith and so again it was my junior senior year i thought that somebody had kind of been introduced into my life i'd been praying god show me a way to do this, bring someone into my life who could do this, and I thought there was someone who could. And again, this guy, I even asked him, like, will you show me how to study the gospel? And nothing ever came of it. And so I eventually realized that I just had to come to a point of deciding to follow Jesus regardless of what anyone else was doing. It kind of reminds me of in John 21 when Peter is told by Jesus that he, Peter, is going to die. And Peter looks over to John and says, well, what about him? And Jesus responds, well, don't worry about him. You follow me. And so I realized, okay, regardless of what anyone else is doing, regardless of if they're sharing their faith or not, regardless of if I have a mentor or not, I need to share my faith. But it was a grueling process of awkwardly going out with tracks and trying to figure things out all by my own. I learned a lot from it, but it was hard. It was really hard, and I don't think that's how it's supposed to be done. I think you're supposed to learn evangelism through mentorship, through discipleship, in community. And that's what Engage360 is all about. And so as soon as the opportunities lined up, I just knew that I wanted to be a part of it.
1: I can resonate with going out there and trying to share your faith and kind of getting hit with the shrapnel. <laughs> but uh, obviously learning from those experiences and continuing, not staying down. I mean, because if we have the truth, we're saying that Christianity is true and we're trying to share it. So we shouldn't be you know, offended if someone rejects us or what have you. We should just continue to tell someone else, because somebody needs the gospel, right? Everybody needs it, actually. Also, I want to know, what is your role in Engage360?
0: I have no idea. No, I'm kidding, mainly. <laughs> so we're all within the ministry, we all do work evangelism to some extent, and so I have like a local evangelism ministry that I'm doing here in California, but when it comes to Engage360, my specific ministry, my specific role here, is focus more on the content creation side of things. So when we do our training for churches, we take them through an online course and a workbook. And the online course is kind of shaped around this workbook. It's sort of the core of what we're teaching from. And I've just finished spending the last several months developing the first draft of that. Then the whole team is going to kind of contribute and offer suggestions for tweaks and stuff. So we're right in the thick of developing this. And that's been my main focus right so far. And moving into the future, it'll probably be more content creation, but I'm pretty flexible. And that's sort of what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, you kind of came in on, uh, at the right moment, at the ground floor. You know, you, you got in at the right time. Like, if this were a multi-level marketing company, you would be <laughs> one of the main ones that would succeed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, just joking around. Uh, you get a chance to experiment and, and create all sorts of exciting content. And we have a lot of different projects going on, don't we?
0: Yeah, some of the projects, like there are three big projects. The first one is the church training program, which I briefly explained to you. But the idea there is that we have the—it's a hybrid. So we have the online course, and then we meet with the churches in person at set intervals as well. And so the main content is delivered online, so people can deliver that on their own timetable. Then we come together to strategize get really particular with our own plans for how we're going to reach our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and even strangers with the gospel. And then what I love about the program is that we actually do it with— that piece that I had been missing growing up is we actually go out into the community with these churches and model it for them. And if you really want that immersion training, we really up the ante even more with our um, Engage You University event. We go to college campuses for three, sometimes more days in a row. And, I mean, it's long days of just talking to people about the gospel, passing out tracts, inviting them to hear talks about the gospel, and so that's a perfect opportunity to just kind of jump into it and learn on the fly. It's great.
1: Oh yeah, no no better way than to be thrown out to the wolves. <laughs> what do people struggle with in sharing their faith? Like I know a lot of people you, you mentioned earlier that did you say only nineteen percent of people regularly share their faith? And if so, do you think that's somewhat related to fear or what is it, what is it that you think? Is the reason why many people don't get involved in evangelism on a regular basis?
0: I think that the two biggest reasons why people don't, and this is my opinion, it's not an official answer, but I think the first main reason is fear. And then the second reason would be a lack of contact with people in the world. So if we're secluded within a Christian bubble and you just don't rub shoulders with anybody who doesn't know the gospel already, then naturally you're not going to be sharing gospel with anyone. They don't need it in that sense. They need it for their ongoing ongoing growth and sanctification, but they don't need that evangelism side of it. And so, if that's you, like just find ways to get involved in your community. Find something that's a natural passion of yours. Like, I love playing Ultimate Frisbee, so I'm intentionally actually this next Wednesday, I'm joining a two-month league here in Sacramento, where I'll be playing with other people, and I'll be able to get to meet people naturally that way. Um, the second thing though, really is that fear piece, which you were talking about. Um, and I think that the fear really comes from a lack of knowledge of just methods. How do I actually do this? And the fear also comes from a lack of supporting community. If you're not in a community where it's expected and believes that the gospel is powerful enough to change lives, even if you personally believe that, even if you know that to be true, it'll be hard for you to actually keep living that out. But if you're in a community where people are constantly talking about, Okay, I'm sharing the gospel with this person. Pray for me because I'm going to go do this event. And I keep on meeting with the Jehovah's Witnesses that come to my door. And there is just this confidence and this strategizing. It creates a whole culture, and it gives you that motivation that you need. And so that's one of the other things I didn't even mention. That Engage 360 is developing an online community. It won't replace your local churches, but it can mobilize them. It can give a little extra oomph to what you're doing but these online communities where this is exactly the type of environment that we're creating.
1: Oh, yes, definitely have to be in a community of faith where people are engaged with doing this sort of activity. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. It's certainly something that takes effort and initiative. So uh, glad that you're in an environment where you can do that. And and uh, Ultimate Frisbee, that's a great way to reach out to people because you're having fun and you're in a venue where it's kind of You're brushing elbows with people. You're going to have an organic opportunity to share your faith, and I think that's sort of the way that the Church did it, right?
0: Yeah. It was interesting. You know, there would be these apostles who were—you could probably consider them to be kind of the main evangelists. You know, you picture Paul going out to the different cities, and sometimes it seemed like he would be just talking to different people in the marketplace. Sometimes he would kind of find a spot where he could preach to large crowds. For the most part, in the book of Acts, the way that the kingdom spreads is just through people rubbing shoulders. I heard one person say that they gossiped about Jesus, that it was just kind of this thing, this rumor, but this true rumor that kept on being spread.
1: Yeah, it was noised abroad, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it.
1: All right, so, okay, you talk about the fact that many people aren't doing evangelism, or or a very minimal number of people in in comparison— you talk about the fact that we need community to um, cultivate an environment where evangelism becomes a normal part of our lives as Christians. What, is, what do you think is at stake if we don't become engaged in evangelism as a people?
0: Yes, yeah, so you could think of this from a couple of different perspectives. The first would be the perspective of the person that you could have shared the gospel with, and I don't want to place this massive burden like... If you don't preach the gospel to that person, then they're beyond hope. I think that God can work through a variety of means to reach people. So we don't bear the entire burden for this one person all on our own shoulders. But they could have received the gospel that day. They could have received the truth that moment. And who knows what type of implications that one conversation could have had for that one person you could have talked to.
1: So you believe that there's a collective sense in which God can use your... Witness somebody else, else's witness, almost like the verse we often quote, one waters, one plants, one waters, but God adds the increase. Even if that verse is taken out of context, the idea is that God is responsible for the results, but he uses us as a way of cultivating the minds, perhaps, while he works on the heart.
0: Exactly. And if we just remain silent, we don't get to be a part of that. We're missing out.
1: So when he says, you would be my witnesses in all Judea and and Samaria and all places of the the world, and he says, go, therefore, and and teach all nations and make disciples, this is an active and outward exercise, right? Not just something that's private. For example, you couldn't just necessarily sit in your cubicle at work and people will watch you and say, oh, he's a nice guy. You don't think that would be sufficient for uh, a transition to the gospel necessarily, Sometimes you have to be a little bit more vocal and intentional, because they may not ask you, why are you such a nice guy, right?
0: Exactly. And I just don't see that as being the primary model. That can't happen. But the primary model is that when someone has a message to share, they take the initiative to bring that topic up in conversation.
1: Especially if you consider the, the type of people that were in Scripture, they weren't all good people, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody who shares the gospel will necessarily stand out in every possible way. Like we aren't, we are supposed to stand out from this world, but it's not like we are so brilliantly different that every single person will stop us all the time. Maybe we should be that way, but we're not, and so we need to take the advantage of being able to choose topics for conversations ourselves. I think Christians sometimes think, you know, we need to wait until the other person brings this up. But it's a problem. We don't take that attitude with anything else. We feel free to bring up all kinds of subjects. They feel free to bring up all kinds of subjects. And so feel free to bring up the subjects of who God is, who Jesus is, religious beliefs, religious upbringing, all these different things that can bring you to the gospel. And to go back to your question of what's at stake, like what will happen if I don't do this, frankly, you'll live a boring life, a life that lacks any type of adventure. Like life is supposed to be a journey, with God as he's working to redeem this world. We're supposed to be, Paul calls himself a co-laborer with God. So you can be a co-laborer with God, or you can do nothing. <laughs> and it's just so much more exciting. I, know, I feel like my life has so much more purpose when I have different projects of, okay, I'm going to try to see if I can develop an outreach ministry at Sac State. Or if I say, okay, I know I'm going to be reaching out to this friend on this day. I shouldn't call it projects, but it's a passion, it's a outreach, it's love, it's
1: community. opportunity.
0: Opportunity, yeah.
1: Well, you know what, what was interesting? You just talked about boring, didn't you say being a bored Christian, essentially? Yeah. You know, I, w- I was thinking the same thing. It's interesting, because I was thinking, why are a lot of young Christians bored with Christianity? It could be, not saying that it is, but it could be because they because they haven't been met with any challenges, they haven't had any victories, if you will, in terms of good conversations and encouraging uh, opportunities to pray for people and so forth. So I think if you are active and engaged and exercising yourself unto godliness and, and working out your own salvation, doing the work that is consistent with the uh, uh, salvation, understanding what it means to be saved, and then going out and sharing that with others, I think that makes Christianity more exciting, don't you?
0: Definitely. and. I don't want to give people who are listening to this the impression that unless you are, you know, spending an hour a day on street corners with a sign or tracks, then your life's going to be boring. Think of it more as salt that's sprinkled over a whole meal. Your whole life is supposed to be lived to the glory of God, and that includes your work. That includes time with family. That includes even recreation to some extent. But you want to have that salt, that edge of outward movements toward the world, toward the lost, that Jesus had in his whole life. And just sprinkled throughout your life. And it just adds that burst of energy and excitement and purpose.
1: Realizing that this world is not our home, we are journeying through, right? We're not citizens of this world, but we're citizens of another world. I have one last question before our time is up. The question is, what is one tip for how People can have conversations about the gospel. What do you think is a good way or a good approach to help people become more involved in this?
0: When I think about becoming better at sharing the gospel, I think of it from two perspectives. I want to be doing it more often, and I want to be doing it more effectively. And so, let's talk about the more often bit first. On um, to have conversations more often, think of the imagery of fishermen. Jesus called these fishermen and said, I will make you fishers of men, not just for fish. I'm going to teach you how to draw people to God. Now, when you're fishing, what do you need to be able to bring the fish in?
1: You need a rod and bait.
0: Yeah, you need a bait or a lure, something that gathers them in. And so what I encourage people to do is to develop conversation lures that you can kind of throw out into a conversation and see if someone will bite on it. The goal is to get the other person to respond to what we said. So you're kind of dropping an idea into the water so the other person has permission to talk about spiritual things. So, for example, if your friend talks about some evil in the world, perhaps a school shooting, you can throw out there, I know, it's so awful. Honestly, as a Christian, I sometimes have a hard time understanding how this world can be so horrible. Now, notice what you did with that type of statement. You brought up your perspective. You said, as a Christian, I find this hard to understand. And you did so in an honest and even vulnerable way, talking about something you don't understand. You've communicated that you're honest about the tough questions and that you don't just want easy answers and that you like thinking about deep things. And it gives the other person an opportunity. You don't have to say a next thing, um, like, you know what Jesus did to solve the evil in the world. You can. But what's cool is that it puts it on their to respond to you or not so if you just get good at casting these all the time people will begin responding i mean even on the opposite extreme if something exciting happened someone got first uh got her first let's say someone had been uh training for a long time painting all kinds of stuff and your friend got her first piece exhibited at a local art museum You could respond with something like, that's wonderful. I love the creativity that God has given you. Just feel comfortable to drop true things that you believe into a conversation like that. Um, And it gives her the opportunity if she wants to pick up on it and respond back.
1: Does that make sense? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Okay. So if you had one more tip that you could give a new Christian, a young Christian, even a Christian who's been a Christian for a while— what would that advice be as your parting comment?
0: Yeah, I guess a really quick final tip would just be honesty. So if you don't know the answer to something, don't pretend that you do. Just only say what you know to be true and don't overstep that boundary.
1: And I, I have a tip too. Um, Remember, you're not responsible for the results because I think often people are afraid because they think if they don't do it just right, just so, or the way that we say you, can, you should do it, then somehow it's their fault if the person doesn't respond. You could be an excellent communicator with all the facts and data in place and give a tremendous presentation, but yet, if that person has a stony heart, a closed mind, is unwilling to hear uh, any other perspective and to seriously consider it, then he's not, he or she is not going to uh, change their mind. So don't feel like you're responsible for the results. Friends, we're so glad to be with you, and thank you, Jordan, for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing what God will do through this organization, and we thank you for being part of the team, brother.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: God bless you. This broadcast is made possible by the faithful prayers and gifts of listeners like you. To learn creative ways of sharing Christ in everyday life, you can find us on the web at www.e360m.org. Tune in next time for more of Engage Your World.